Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Seven Sound Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at All Day Packers, and I'm joined by my good friend Bron, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we're coming back to you after a few weeks off to talk about the NFL draft, more specifically, the Packers draft. That's the team we cover on this show. Uh, I think everyone seemed to like this draft for the first time in I don't know how many years. Most people came out of this draft thinking it was a good draft, including myself. Ron, what did you think of the draft? How have you been, buddy? I've been good, Griff. It's good to be back on with you here to discuss this draft. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get into my total thoughts, but certainly you have to feel pretty positive about the way things came out for Brian Gutekunst and the staff, Um, especially what they went in there with to be able to address a lot of needs. I feel like they did some good things, and I'm excited to talk about all of that and more with you, buddy. This draft can You can think about this draft in two different ways, depending on if you think about it through what do the Packers need and uh, who were the players that the Packers got. Because in terms of needs, I'd say uh, maybe the biggest, definitely, right? I'm not exaggerating when I say a wide receiver is the biggest need on this team, right? Uh, coming away with- No, uh, uh, obviously. I mean, yeah, what else? Okay. What else would it yeah, be? Yeah, I know, no, I, I know. <laughs> Um, so coming away with Christian Watson and nothing else of in the first two rounds at wide receiver, first of all, <laughs> for like the eighth year in a row, it feels like we're saying before the draft that this is definitely the year they come out of the draft with the first round receiver. Once again, doesn't happen, but they get the, what was it? The 34th pick uh, was, was a wide receiver. That's pretty close to the first round, but although not officially a first round receiver has been drafted in the Aaron Rodgers era, um, that, that statistic still stands. But uh, when you're thinking of uh, did they draft players at positions that they need, Christian Watson's the only guy in the first two rounds. That's not great, you know. But other than that, if you just – because we know the Packers, they don't draft for need. They never have. They never will. They don't use the draft in that way. So we we can't, you know, grade this draft. Not that we're doing draft grades here, but we can't grade this draft um, based on what we think the Packers need going into 2022. So looking at it as just the players that they've gotten – I'm pretty satisfied with the players that they got. Yeah, Griff, I agree. I mean, the number one thing when I think about the guys they picked on day one, it's all circumstantial. At the time, I was not happy with the pick, although I did. I, I'm a big fan of getting athletic linebackers like Devondre Campbell to have a guy with the four five speed at a six foot two height, two hundred and fifty pounds. He he plays like a safety in the middle, and and he can stop the run. He's hasn't missed many tackles in his college career. So I like the pick from the grand scheme of things, but at the time, you know, we're, we're obviously looking to get a number one receiver for this football team, and to not get that in the first pick with that number 22 slot, um, you know, that was frustrating. So it's all circumstantial. And then the same thing with number 28. Then we left the first round without a wide receiver, um, and circumstantially at that moment, I am unhappy with the two picks that we had. But once we go get one of my favorite guys in Christian Watson – I was much more satisfied with the whole way the draft was going, including those first two picks in the first round. I did really like Devontae Wyatt. I mean, these are guys that have great defense, big school, power five. Obviously, these are Brian Gutekunst's. You know, the one thing they did do is they broke the mold a little bit on the age with Wyatt and, and the position with Quay Walker. Those are two things that they really weren't doing in the first round, but they did that in this draft. So Brian's obviously doing some kind of adapting, whether it's, you know, the players he's selecting or the, the traits that they possess. Um, specifically, obviously, with Wyatt, his age being up there, I think he's going to be he's either close to 24 or he already is 24, which is way, you know, outside what they usually do. They usually go for guys that are 20, 21, maybe, maybe 22. But this draft, they, they got a couple guys that were a bit older. Um, in the early rounds. So overall, I really like those first three picks. 
I'll talk more about Christian Watson. Uh, Griff, I'll let you take the floor on that one first, what you think of him as a player. But uh, I, I'm a big fan of his, and I'm excited to see what he can do for our football team. You knew more about this class coming into the draft than I did. But uh, just based on what I've seen after he's been drafted, and based on what you told me, because you told me the night of the draft how, how much you love Christian Watson, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see this kid play in green and yellow. Coming from a green and yellow college, uh, North Dakota State University, that's pretty cool for him. Uh, I'm excited to see him play in Matt LaFleur's offense. The fact that they traded up to get this guy, uh, I think that that means that Matt LaFleur has to really like this guy, as does Brian Gutekunst, obviously. And I have to think that Matt LaFleur has big plans for him. Coming out of night one, I think we both were a little nervous about what this wide receiver room is going to look like because it's not just the fact that they didn't add anyone with their first two first round picks. Um, it's the fact that there was still no speed. You know, there's no speed in that room at all. And Christian Watson, not only is he a, uh, a premier player who could have gone in the first round and a lot of people had going in the first round, but he's also a fast guy who can replace what MVP brought to the table and hopefully be more than what MVS brought to the table. Uh, yeah, I think his skill set is, is much more dynamic than MVS um, just because of I, I just think his quick twitch ability route running wise is, is much more there from the beginning of, of Marquez did not have that, especially early on. Uh, and I think just some of the natural things about Christian, he's just so athletic. Um, his size is ridiculous. He's six foot four. And obviously runs that four four three six, which is just insane. And MVS, you know, you think MVS with the height and the speed, but the things that Christian does is just so much more. I, I don't even want to say, it, but like dynamic. I, I mean, because MVS was great for us and everything, but um, I just think he's a much more dynamic football player. You saw him line up in the backfield. I I could talk about this all day because there's there's a lot of things people are criticizing. You know, the pick about or you know, concerns about, about Watson and, and him being at, like you said, NDSU, a very small school and whatnot, but he's such a dynamic football player. You just look at the tape and his, he's just doing some of the most incredible things that you see out of this receiver class. He was my number four receiver only based on the thing about him being at a small school, but his tape is probably the best in this class for sure. Um, Jameson Williams, obviously you have in that top three for me, I, Drake London was my number one. And then, um, I had Chris Olave as my number two, and then Jamison Williams as my number three. But Christian Watson was my number four, and I had said that prior to um, prior to us drafting him. And I just love his tape, everything he does. He's he's just the fastest man on the field at all times, especially on you know when you're watching him like return kicks and things like that. He's had a few of those return touchdowns. He can do everything. He plays like Debo Samuel, but he he also has the body of of a DK Metcalf. It's just like. He's he's gonna be so special if if we can just get him in with Rodgers right away, getting the right amount of targets, easing him in, but also getting him to you know produce early on and get into a groove with the quarterback. That's the most important thing to his development right now. And and if he can have these three years with Rodgers, he can really blossom into a superstar for us. You're getting me excited. The fact that Rodgers was the first one to text him after he got drafted, <laughs> that's awesome, dude. I hope they're both excited to play with each other as we are uh, excited to watch them play together because this could this could really be something special. I mean, no Devontae is going to hurt up until week one, probably past week one. That's going to hurt. But to think about maybe in this last stretch of Rodgers' career, if he can have a guy like Christian Watson 
be his last his last number one receiver, his last X receiver before he gets on the horse, hangs him up, and rides into the sunset. Uh, that that'll be awesome. And we know that the Packers have a pretty good history of drafting receivers in early rounds. They don't do it a lot, but whenever they do, it's usually for a guy they like. And when it's a guy that they're willing to trade up for that, they're willing to trade two for second round picks with the Vikings to move up and go get this guy. You have to think that they really like him. And um, I'm excited to watch him now. Um, Bron, I kind of wanted to talk about more of a, a the the process of the draft because the draft like there's you know everyone loves to talk about the draft for months before it and everyone loves the draft grades but it's so tough because it you never know even even NFL GMs who are the the top of their of their line of duty better than anyone else in the world they they still miss on most draft picks it's so hard to tell who's going to pan out in the NFL so it's it's kind of a it's it's a crapshoot for us to even talk about it but i do want to talk about the process because i think the one nitpick i can make about this draft because day 2 day 3 love all of it the linemen i'm excited about you know every everyone on day 3 is a lottery ticket i'm excited about them but uh i think the process of there's a run on the receivers Braun, right for like what feels like the eighth year in a row there's another run on receivers where the Packers are drafting late and it's like oh we're hoping that one of these guys will fall to us Chris Olave a lot of people really wanted hoped he would slip to 22 uh, Saints trade up to get him at 12 all these teams are trading up in the draft to go and get a receiver and the Packers are staying put at 22 and then they go with Quay Walker a linebacker who no one had mocked to them does that does that uh I don't know. I, I don't want to say anger, but does that still annoy you right now as it did a week ago? Because it, it does it does irk me a little bit. The fact that uh, the Packers aren't willing to really go and make a, a splash play uh, for one of these guys in the first round. But I don't know. I don't know. What's your take on this, Brom? Yeah, I mean, you make a lot of good points there. When I, I think back to, you know, when we're sitting there hoping they'd trade up, but just look at where these guys were picked. I mean, it all started with Drake London at eight, which I said to you, Griff, we were watching together. I said, this is the first spot a receiver can go. And unfortunately, that's when it broke open. And I said, well, that's where, I mean, now it's going to come. And I had thought Minnesota would grab a receiver at 12. And that was, and every team before that, I thought had a shot, you know, probably except Seattle. And it ended up going pretty similar to that. Seattle didn't grab one. Minnesota traded out. And then, and excuse me, Detroit went and grabbed the receiver. Like just about everybody was going. And then the Tennessee trade happened with AJ Brown, where he got paid four years for a hundred million dollars. And then you know the Eagles obviously got him. And then now Tennessee needs a receiver, so they you know went. I think they picked sixteenth and grabbed Traylon Burks. And that was a guy that you know I liked. But these guys aren't like after after London. My number one guy went off. That was tough. Olave goes at twelve. That's tough. Williams then went at, what did he go, 10, 11, whatever. I mean, these guys came off the board pretty quick, and what is Green Bay going to do at that point? I had hope that they could maybe trade up to 13. It didn't happen. Um, so the, after that, really tough. And then Jahan Dotson, even, the guy who I didn't really even have a first-round grade on, didn't like his size. That was a size. desperation move. It was. And, that was... and they were desperate for a receiver in general, and, and he's not even a guy Green Bay would probably consider. I don't even think he was on their board in particularly because of his size and the fact that he's he he's done some outside stuff, but he's more of a slot guy probably in the, in this league. Um, so I, I didn't think he was on their board really, but he went to it was just like everybody was going and and Green Bay really was down to 
Uh, they had three guys that they probably still liked, I would say, and George Pickens was one. Alec Pierce, who also went in the second round, was another, and then obviously the guy that they went up to get uh, as soon as they could was Christian Watson. So that was really what it came down to. I, I love him. I really do love Christian Watson. Griff, ask me a question. What, give me your number one concern about Christian Watson, and I will dispel that for you right now. I think the biggest thing with Watson, if if you want me to paint out a, a bad picture of the guy, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is that he played in the FCS and he didn't put up a he didn't put up the best numbers. You know, he didn't have a ton of production at such a small school. You thought he maybe should have dominated a little bit more, but uh, I'm playing devil's advocate here, Bron. Go ahead. Okay, Griff. Now that's a that's exactly what I wanted you to say because you look at what he did on tape and. Just first off, he is the he's the dominant player on that football field. He's a man amongst boys out there. If you watch the tape, he really is. But the problem with that school that he goes to is they're throwing the ball 15 times a game, at most 20 times a game. They are running the ball down the opponent's throats throughout the entire game. So now Christian Watson isn't getting the same targets. He is only one receiver. They are spreading the ball around a little bit, but when he is there, he's their number one guy. He doesn't have that same production because they're running the ball so well against these schools that really can't stop it, and that's why they have so much success. Then the passing game is sort of secondary. So that's where you point to the lack of production and go, you know, he is still the most talented player on the field on tape. He just doesn't have the numbers to back it up because of what their philosophy offensively is as a school, which is we're going to run the ball because nobody's going to be able to stop it. And nobody ever does, and that's how they win a lot of football games and a lot of championships. Yeah, I agree with those points, Bron. You you did a good job dispelling my my case there. Um, overall, I'm happy with the Watson pick. I'm happy with that's that's the receiver, the premium receiver that we came away with. Um, and I'm just, honestly, I'm glad we didn't do what the commanders did. That's the difference between a well-run organization and the Green Bay Packers and a poorly dumpster fire garbage, uh, run <laughs> organization and the Washington commanders, the football team, because they, 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 that's a total reach, dude. That's what you don't do in the draft. You cannot, they said, we need a wide receiver. Uh, the six best have already gone. We're just going to take Dotson. Like, why? Why did they do that? Because they really wanted a receiver and they were stuck in on taking a receiver. And I'm, I guess I am happy that the Packers, they never, they never really seem to do that. Although you can argue Quay Walker was a, was a little bit of a reach. And now this is the other thing that I want to talk about, Bron. So everyone, the rumor is, um, I don't know if this is just a rumor or if it's been confirmed, but that the Packers tried to trade up with Minnesota to number 32, but that didn't happen. So they traded up to 34 on day two of the draft instead. Now, if you're willing to trade up to 32, why would they not have just taken him at 28? You know, and hope that uh, did they really love Devontae Wyatt that much? And this did they the really answer. love Quay Walker that much? Because yes. they could have taken Devontae Wyatt at 22 and then taken Watson at 28 and then just gotten the next best linebacker off the board. Did they really love Quay Walker that much? That's obviously how it played out, Griff. They had these players rated higher as you go across the board here, and that is maybe they're the only team that had Quay Walker rated that high, but they've also been the only team that's had guys like Darnell Savage rated as high as he was and other guys too. If you just look at their Rashawn Gary, I mean like these, you know, then now he's become a really big star for us and you look at what they've done. Some of these guys, they're the only team that sees something and then they go out and pick them early and everybody thinks that they reached. And then it turns out we come around and we're two years in and this guy is a budding star in this league also. Now who knows with Quay Walker? I just, to me, I love the idea of his size 
next to Devondre. He's Griff. He's exactly what I wanted from Oren Burks because I wanted him to be so good, so bad. He and Oren was a little different because he was almost, and I've said this before, but he was a doer of all, but a master of none. Sadly, at the NFL level. Um, but I feel like Quay Walker is a true linebacker just with a safety body type and he can really stop the run. He doesn't miss tackles and he's pretty assignment. Much better tackler than Oren. Much better tackler. He doesn't miss them and he's assignment sure as well. So you do, he's, he's a, he's, he's a more natural linebacker. He has much more experience playing at the heart of a great defense next to a really good linebacker as well. And the Kobe Dean, those two paired really well. And I feel like if you use what Quay Walker can bring to the table, which is a, Four five speed pass coverage. Like Devondre Campbell can cover the pass. Devondre's gonna stop the run. Big human in the middle of the field. These are the kind of guys that you want to have on your football team. So now we got two of those guys manning the middle. When was the last time we had two good linebackers, let alone one we had last year? When was the last time Lombardi we had two? Lombardi era, bro. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> we finally have that now. Hopefully, at least the standard will be Quay Walker has to come in and play well because he's gonna be starting. And now no more Chris Barnes, which is a good thing because that is a mediocre player who was undrafted starting for us. Now that <laughs> people really like Chris Barnes, dude. People I don't really know like why because he's not. I don't very know why good. either. He's not terrible. Um, the he's thing is that the 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 thing with Quay Walker at twenty two is the positional value, which is a whole other conversation. But uh, linebacker tends to affect your overall team success less than something like wide receiver or something like your pass rush. Um, And it's so strange that the Packers have always operated under that belief. They've been more than comfortable in the past 10 years to go into a season with undrafted free agents, late round picks starting at linebacker. They have no issue with that. And it's so strange that in the same offseason, they give the new contract to free agent Devondre Campbell. They pay him, and they use their first pick of the draft on an off-ball linebacker. It's really strange, and it makes you wonder, maybe Joe Barry, former linebackers coach, is advocating for the importance of the position, which is nice to see, honestly, because I think that linebacker actually does improve your defense. I think it moves the needle than some other positions on the field. Um, I think it does a lot for your defense to have a guy in there. As we saw with Devondre Campbell, I think it does a lot to have a guy in there who's never going to miss a tackle, always going to be in the right spot, and also brings zone coverage to the game. I think that brings a lot to your defense, and I think maybe Brian Gutekun saw how well Devondre played and how much he helped the defense and thought, you know what, I'm just going to throw all my capital at this position, you know? Griff, I agree with every single word you just said. As soon as we hired Joe Barry, I was just thrilled because, A, he's a linebacker coach, so he's going to want to value the position. So that was I, I was super excited about that, and now it's clear that we have. It started with Devondre Campbell. Now, that wasn't as much of a valuing the position pickup, but he was a good player. They saw that. And that was a desperation pickup. Yes, he, well, they didn't put too we much don't money want Chris Barnes as our number one. Yes, yes. Yeah, so they yeah. didn't put too much money into it, but then they doubled down by paying Devondre Campbell on a long term deal, which is so good to hear that come out of my mouth because I love Devondre and he's such a good player, all pro, and he's now a linebacker for us. And we just drafted one in the first round. So how exciting is that? I'm literally sitting here grinning like an idiot about the idea that we have two good linebackers on our football team. That is that's so exciting, dude. That's so exciting. Griff, I'm of the That's belief awesome, I'm of the belief that we have now to me, I think linebacker is actually a really important position. I think it's one of like the more important positions 
on the football team. And we've seen that now, whether it's with the Buccaneers, who have a great linebacker duo, the Saints at one point had a really good, the 49ers. Like, these guys make a difference, and it's very evident. And when you have a really good linebacker, and if you have two, the linebacker affects everything. It's the center of the entire defense. It takes away parts of the secondary. It keeps the middle of the field closed. And it also can disrupt the run game, rush the passer. They do a little bit of everything. They're doing everything. And that's and why it's so hard it. to play. It's so hard to find a good linebacker. Like most linebackers in today's NFL are bad. Most of them are bad. There's probably like seven good ones, you know, and we yes. have one of them in Devondre. So if we could get two of the good linebackers, because there's almost none in the NFL, then that is a massive home run for Green Bay. Yes, Griff. I mean, so the the idea is to get two of those guys. That's This is what we've seen now. Over the last, I would say, three years, Super Bowl defenses, Super Bowl teams, playoff teams, many of the good, really, really good ones have linebacker duos that, A, bounce off each other really well, and B, both have elite traits that, that make them a, a little more responsible to do the things that can't be done by most teams on defense. And it doesn't prepare, and, and then the offenses are unprepared for some of the things that that part of the defense brings. Now, Green Bay can have that in addition to what they did, adding another piece to the defensive line, just giving that more depth. And he's a first round pick. We added a first round pick to the defensive line with Kenny Clark, with Jerron Reed, who we signed, with Dean Lowry, who had his best year, Mean Dean, shout out, and TJ Slayton coming back, right? Like, we've got guys at that spot. Now at linebacker, it's not Chris Barnes starting. It is Devondre Campbell and now Quay Walker, the first-round pick. First-round picks, now these guys are going to come in and play. So that's a good thing. We do have Chris Barnes. We drafted a sixth-round pick, Trent McDuffie, just last year. So we have some depth. Ty Summers is still there. Let's hope that doesn't come to that. But we do have depth <laughs> now, and these positions on defense are looking a lot stronger to the point where this is – and we've been saying this for a few years now, but this looks like the best defense we've had in Green Bay since 2010, maybe longer. And it's on paper, that's the truth, but let's see that on the field, and I'm excited about those prospects adding to that for sure. We can have the discussion of is it a good strategy to – throw so much at a defense rather than an offense but the fact of the matter is that they have thrown a lot of capital at the defense and that is really exciting because the defense so showed so many flashes last year under Mike Pettin they showed so many flashes but they've never been able to put together a full season they've hardly put together a full game of just great defensive dominance you know but when you go through this defense dude Devonte Wyatt he's gonna start Quay Walker he's gonna start you've got Kenny Clark on the D-line he was a first round pick in 2016 you've got Rashawn Gary 12th overall pick you've got Jair Alexander first round pick Eric Stokes first round pick Rasul Douglas we just gave him a new contract Adrian Amos big free agent signing Darnell Savage first round pick dude Who's the worst player on this defense Preston Smith big big free agent signing who's the worst player on this defense there is none, Griff, and it's like, you know, I heard this one time. Try to find a hole on that defense. You can't. It's impossible. There is no weakness, and it's just like you look at that, and you and you start to – I posted the other day. I posted the lineup, and there's, like, guys that are being left out because you can't have Kenny and Wyatt and Dean and Jerron Reed and on the Reed. field. Like, And then you now we have a third pass rusher in the fifth round here folks we got a guy who by many people was rated in the top 100 players got him in the fifth round Kingsley Enigbar I think is how you say it Enigbar I'm not sure how you say his name he goes by JJ also 
ridiculous talent. You watch him, and people keep comparing him to Z. He's a little bit smaller than Z, but he's very disruptive. He's a little bit faster, a little more athletic than Zedarius. But, you know, to get another guy that many think was really talented, and this is why Green Bay didn't pick him, and they ended up picking him in the fifth round. He's a player who isn't very athletic. Like he's and, and Z was this way also, but they didn't draft Z. His athletic score was somewhere around a 6.8. They target the 8 to, to 10 range, obviously, uh, in terms of athleticism. They're always banking on the athleticism, the size, that whole score. And he's such a good football player that usually he would be off their boards with his athleticism, you know, faults, if you will. But he's such a good football player that they were willing to pick him as he kept falling for whatever reason. But his production is there. His, his you know, his pass rush is ridiculous. He's, he's not the fastest player on the field by any means, but he's faster than Z was at the Combine, if that means anything to you. So um, when you compare him to Z, right? So, I mean, that, that is something that I would say when you look at a player like that who isn't as athletic as they usually go by, but is just a good enough football player, that, that tells you that Green Bay obviously likes him enough that they're willing to sacrifice some of those things that they usually do to go pick a good football player. And I believe they did that. Now we have a pretty good third edge rusher, hopefully. And they just there's not any holes. Like I said, you just look around and you can't find one. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, day three selections here. Well, first of all, Sean Ryan in the third round from UCLA, offensive lineman. Uh, I don't know anything about these offensive linemen, but I just know they're going to be future all pros because that's that's just how Green Bay operates, bro. They exactly. only draft good linemen. It's kind of their it's kind of their motto. Day three, we get first first pick of round four, Romeo Dubs doubling up at the wide receiver of the three that they drafted total in the draft. Um, I'm kind of scarred by a round four wide receiver after Jamon Moore, who got me so excited summer of 2018. But Romeo Dubs, people seem to like him. I'm excited. Here's my thing with uh, day three of the draft, Ron. They're all lottery tickets. I don't know anything about these players, and there's no risk, all reward with these guys. It's all upside, and I trust the Packers when it comes to two positions, uh, wide receiver and offensive line. Um, Zach Tom, people really like this pick. Offensive lineman out of Wake Forest, also in round four. People really like that pick. I'm excited. Can't wait to see him in the Hall of Fame one day. Um, Kingsley in round five, like you said, and then round seven, we got Tariq Carpenter, Packers fan growing up, love to see it. John, uh, he's a safety, by the way. Uh, Jonathan Ford, defensive tackle out of Miami, and uh, Rashid Walker, offensive lineman, going to be a future All-Pro. Sammy Torre and is the last pick of the draft, another wide receiver out of Nebraska. That is a great draft, attacking the positions that we need depth at. I'm happy with this draft, and I'm excited to watch these players. Hopefully, at training camp, in person, Bron. I'm trying to make that happen. Yes, and let me touch on a few of those guys. So, number one, Dobbs, Romeo Dobbs. Great name, obviously, right? And Adding look to at the list tape, of greatest Packers names, dude, on this Yes, roster. that is quite the name. So, you, you look at his tape, right? And he's very fluid route runner, I feel like. He's not the fastest guy. You know, there was rumors of him running around a 4.7, but... He, he can run about a four or five. If you look at the tape, his running isn't an issue. You know, I, cause the rumors were that he, because he didn't run at the combine. So I'm looking at his tape and there's no way that's a four, seven. Turns out he runs closer to a four, five, five ish. So that's probably, you know, that's, that's, a, that's pretty good. You know, that's, you're not concerned about his speed at all. He runs, he runs well with the ball in his hands. He, uh, you watch him at the senior bowl. Very impressive. Made some plays. Him and Christian Watson were both on the same team that day. Fun fact. And they both made some plays in that game. Um, so you look at the tape there. He's a good player. He, he can catch big catch radius. He can, he can make a lot of plays in traffic, I've noticed as well. So um, and, and there was this one game. I posted the stats the other day. In, in one singular game, 
he he caught 19 passes for 203 yards and a touchdown. This is one football game he did that. 19 passes caught. So, I mean, he is he's he's quite the player. I you look at the small school thing, right? But Green Bay's going after these guys, seeing the talent and hoping that translates to the NFL, and then you see them have success at pro days, uh excuse me, at the senior bowl against really good competition. Uh when you talk about some of these power 5 schools, these guys are at the senior bowl. Right. And they're still having success. And Christian Watson was even one of those standout guys at the Senior Bowl. That's a really good sign for some of the concerns that you may have about the small school or the lack of production or whatever it is. These guys are, are, are making plays against some of these better players at the college level that are now going to the NFL. And now that's a good sign for what Green Bay has coming into their roster as well. Brian Gutekunst loves guys who have shown a lack of production, whether it be in their NFL careers or college careers but he sees the upside with them, whether it be guys from small schools or uh, guys like Zadarius Smith who were backups for their entire careers on their rookie deals. And he is going to invest in players like that. And uh, for the most part, it's worked out for him. We've sa- we found some real uh, diamonds in the rough these last few years. Elton Jenkins, think about him. Uh, how many times did you see him mock to the Packers? Not a lot. We got him in the second round. That's really exciting. I'm really excited about this draft, man. I'm really excited to uh, see these guys play. I feel like a lot of them, especially the two first rounders, I think we're going to see make an impact right away. And then we have guys who we drafted last year who I'm excited to see make a, a second-year jump like Amari Rodgers. And that's why that's why the NFL draft is so fun. It's like It's like Christmas, you know? It's like all these guys are now playing for my favorite team. And I get to watch them grow up in the NFL. Yeah, it is, Griff. You couldn't have said it any better. And now we look at the way that we did in this draft, and the offensive line is much deeper. They continued what they did in this draft. It seemed like they were just grabbing players that were much better than people had thought by the time the draft is rolling around, and it's the third and the fourth and the fifth, and these guys are starting to fall. Green Bay seemed to consistently be grabbing those guys that everybody was wondering why they were falling. And that's usually a good thing because they got a lot of talented players. So a lot of guys that you expected to go early, they got you know in this like Rasheed Walker in the seventh round is pretty ridiculous considering he was expected to go in three or four. Same thing with Zach Tom. He was expected to go maybe two, three, and they got him late. And it's like they just continually did that on offense and defense. So it's just a good sign for them to be getting talent that can help them right now, even as late as the seventh round. So um, that's some of the really exciting stuff. Now, Griff, I did want to ask you if you want to move off the draft a little bit here. I wanted to ask you what you thought about Sammy Watkins because we did not touch on that yet. And he was the guy that the veteran that we had brought in prior to the draft. And then I want to ask you after your thoughts on him, if you think the receiver room is now in a position where we can be satisfied, ready to roll for this season, or if they need to look to add somebody else to the room really quick. Do you know the, you know, the bears drafted an offensive lineman named Zach Thomas. Bro, they're obsessed with us. We live rent-free in their head. Sammy Watkins, <laughs> that's a fun signing. I mean, I was hoping for maybe a free agent a little bit more flashier than Sammy Watkins. But hey, man, if it works out like how Rasul Douglas did or Devondre Campbell did, then that that's a that's a great value signing, you know. So uh, there's only upside with that one, no risk. It's kind of like a kind of like Devin Funches, except Devin Funches never even made it onto the roster. So, um, but it's kind of like that signing from a couple years ago, where it's like uh, we could really use someone who's like actually could bring something to the table here. Maybe Sammy Watkins can bring that in 2022, but if he doesn't, it's really no big deal. Um, in terms of how the how the room looks now. 
Uh, it looks better than it did, bro. I mean, remember how? <laughs> remember when we were doing those in-person ones right after free agency, where we were watching every good wide receiver get scooped up by other teams, and then we traded the only good player we had. Um, it, it was really oh, those were the dear. dark days, man. Those were <laughs> oh, the dark days, man. And we had Alan Lazard. So right now it's Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. You had Ro- you had Romeo Dubs, and you had Christian Watson, obviously. Amari Rogers coming into year three. I mean, that's that's a pretty solid room, and you've got Malik Taylor, who's played some snaps. You know, like, it's it's a room. It's a receiver room, which I can't say it really It looked like a, a receiver room before the draft. Now it looks like we've got some potential. If we can get guys like Amari Rodgers to uh, kind of play a lot better than they did in 2021, get more snaps than they did in 2021, and bring something to the table, Randall Cobb is always going to be a safety valve for Aaron Rodgers, the veteran, 32 years old, and Christian Watson, if he can come onto the come onto the field his rookie season and bring what MVS brought, hopefully more, but at least what MVS brought, which I don't think is too much to ask as the deep threat guy who can take the top off a of defense and also open things up underneath for other players then I think that's more than we can ask of Christian Watson. And we know we have Aaron Rodgers, so he can make a receiver room that's below average into a pretty good receiver. Yeah, Griff, I agree with you. And, you know, what you said where, you know, we watched all the receivers go off the board in uh, not only in the draft this past, you know, this past week, but in free agency as well. And then we traded our only good one. That hurt my heart a little bit when you said that, but it was the truth. And uh, now I sit here, uh, obviously, after the draft, as we look at the receiver room, I do like where it's at. I feel like we can win with this group. Can we win a Super Bowl? That's yet to be seen. But I think we've done most of the reparations necessary to 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 feel like we're in a good spot in terms of being able to spread the ball a little bit more and have talent there. I really would like to see them sign Julio Jones, though. I really that's the one guy that I think would be if he could come a little cheaper. Come into Green Bay. I mean, where else can he go and like be a number one right now? That's, I mean, I think he comes in and for maybe, you know, even if he can't stay healthy the whole year, the beauty of having him for some games, maybe the playoffs, like just, I want these guys. We don't need him to play every snap, man. No, we don't need him on the field at all times. Like, exactly. Right. I think he could come in and just, just play like maybe half or less of the snaps a game. And I think he'll still get uh, like 800 yards, maybe. Because yeah, he's got Aaron exactly. Rodgers throwing him the football, and he's one of the best receivers of this generation. Yes, and I think, I mean, he's never played with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Matt Ryan was good, but he's not Aaron Rodgers, even in that MVP year that he had. So I think Julio and could come in And we had the here. same, almost the same playbook that he had in 2016 when Julio had that monster year. You remember? I think, yes. Matt LaFleur he, would know he was how with to Matt LaFleur. Yes, he's been yeah, with Matt yeah. LaFleur. He's he's he went to a Super Bowl with Matt LaFleur. I mean, that's got to be some kind of mutual interest there if I had to guess. The idea of Aaron Who does Aaron Rodgers always mention when he talks about receivers being elite? He always mentions Julio Jones. He always mentions Julio. He does always and mention Julio. I, I there's got to be a mutual respect there between Rodgers, LaFleur, and Julio. I feel like that's got to be happening. I I just I don't see why it wouldn't happen. It makes the Packers better. He probably comes cheap. And it's the perfect final piece to this room where they can, then they've got seven guys. I think now here's the truth. People think they're only keeping six, right? Now that Devante has gone, it's a, it's now seven. That's the reality. They're keeping seven. Don't be surprised when they do it because now Devante's not there. They need more guys. That That's the natural. Nobody's understanding that yet. You see people continue to put them at six. 
they're going to have seven. It's going to be seven. Don't be surprised when it happens. The receivers who I think uh, the the seven would be would be Christian Watson, obviously, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, Amari Rogers, Sammy Watkins, and then you could throw Julio in there because I think I think you'd rather have Julio than Jawan Winfrey or Malik Taylor or Rico Gafford. That's the guy. Uh, Chris Blair, Sammy. No, you Torre. know what? Actually, Forget Sammy Torre. Just, Sammy Torre. Actually, let's just let's just have Rico step in. Forget Julio. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sammy Torre. That's that's a guy. That's a draft pick. He's gonna seventh make round pick. No, that's not necessarily. Yeah, seventh round pick. yeah that's a practice squad. That's a practice He's squad, a, right? Yeah, practice squad. He's gonna get. If cut we bring in Julio, that's a practice squad. Okay. Yes, He's that's if squad, Julio. Though. That's exactly right. You go to Julio, then Sammy can sit on the practice squad. I think he'll be okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are, are we done here, Braun? You got anything else to add? No, Griff. You know what? We we said quite a bit here in a short amount of time, but I do feel like you know we'll be back again soon, but I feel like we touched on a lot of good stuff. And with the roster the way it is now, you know, recapping the draft, I feel pretty good. I feel good about where we're at. And there's a lot left to be done, I think, which we'll see through training camp and, and whatnot. Maybe one or two more additions on different parts of the offense or defense. Um, but when you look at this group right now, coming out of the draft, you have to feel pretty good about the way they've improved the football team. And now we sit here ready to kind of just digest the, the draft and, and free agency and everything and just sit here for about a month or two before things start heating up into training camp and, and different things like that. So we've got some time now to just you know sit and wait, uh, discuss the future season coming up with the schedule coming out soon and everything else. So a um, lot to talk about in the future, but for now, we've done enough, and I feel like that'll be it for today. Yeah, this is the the, the true dead of the offseason, man. The dog days of summer in the NFL, but it gets faster every year, and it's going to be training camp before we know it. We'll be back soon with hopefully a uh, a, a podcast breaking down the 90-man roster. I think that'll be fun. We did something similar right after the season as the AFC Championship game was being played, and I was too depressed to watch. Uh, I think we'll do something similar breaking down all 90 guys, including all the draft picks and UDFAs. That'll be fun. Look out for that. We'll be back. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Today in Town, at Today Town on Twitter. And you can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, Braun on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Share with your friends, family, mom, dad, brother, sister, best friends, everyone you know. Share it with them. Anyone who you think wants to listen to us talk about the Packers, or even if they don't, send it to them anyway. Thank you. It means a lot. Uh, leave five-star reviews. Is there anything else I have to plug here? It's been a while, Ron. Leave a five-star review. DM us. Uh, tell us if you listen this far. We always appreciate that. Um, I think that's everything. Don't think I'm forgetting anything. We'll be back soon. Thank you guys so much. Go Pack Go. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.